You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex is happening in the marriage bed. Here are your hosts, Dr. Corey Allen and Shannon Etheridge. Welcome to 2014. Wow, that just sounds weird to say. <laughs> that sounds like such a futuristic date. <laughs> it really, that's sounds like all like the a, movies growing a, a up. Sci-fi that, movie. Yeah, this is this is when um, there should be, you know, mon- what would it be, machines that have just cybernet. The cybernet system is now active and taken over, and we're now desolate after a nuclear war and <laughs> the apocalypse. <laughs> well, uh, well, this isn't futuristic radio. This is actually Sexy Marriage Radio, and we love hearing from you. If you've got something that you want us covering in 2014, please send us an email at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. You can also jump on iTunes, give us any kind of feedback, comments there that you have. We love hearing from you and what you like, what you don't like, because that helps us make this thing better. And we're better when you speak up and let us know, because we want to speak where you are and what's going on with you. And so... Last show, Shannon, we talked about kids getting in the way of of sex. And or how, not. Or not. And that or was, not, that, yeah. or not letting them get in the way. And that was the whole point of its it, intentionality can bring about changes. But that also then leads to, okay, if, if I'm going to make that a priority in my life, and I want to try, I love how you brought to the show of it's a great gift you can give your kids by having a healthy and active sex life because it's it's a modeling of – of, of, a, of that aspect of your relationship and that dynamic. What they have to look forward right, to. That dynamic of intimacy and fun and, and just pleasure together. But that then leads to the obvious question. How do you then talk about this with your kids? Because that's something that, sadly, there's so much of the don't do it message in our world, in our society, especially in the religious circles. Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Oh, you said I do, so hey, have fun. You know, <laughs> enjoy that, you know, but it's just like, how, so there's, there's, how do you talk about this with your kids? Cause that's, that's going to be right in your wheelhouse. I know, because this is what you it started. Is. This is with. one of my soapboxes. Right. This is where you kind of started <laughs> in a sense. But- it is. I remember driving down the road when my daughter was just about to start kindergarten and Dr. Dobson was talking about how children deserve to have a filter in their minds before they start public school about the truth about where babies come from and how those babies are made. And so I thought, well, okay, I'll just have this conversation with her. And so I you know, explained, I said, you know, Aaron, when mommies and daddies, you know, really, really love each other and they, they get really close together and, you know, that, that there's a, a part of his body that goes inside, you know, the mama's body and, and that that's how a baby is made. And, and you know, it looks like she's carrying it in her tummy, but it's, she's really carrying it in her womb and just kind of showed her some basic sketches of that. And that satisfied her curiosity to the nth degree. And I'm so glad that we had that conversation because weeks later she came home and she said, mom, Jack pulled down his pants on the playground and he was trying to show everybody his penis because we I had given her prop for medical terms right. for these different body parts, right. and, you know, the plumbing lesson basically. And I said, well, Aaron, what happened? And she said, well, everybody else went running around him to, to look, but she said, but I walked away cause I only want to see my husband's penis someday. <laughs> and, and she told the teacher, Jack is over there doing something inappropriate. She knew that, right. that what was happening was inappropriate. 
So I thought, okay, I am glad that I had this conversation with her. Yeah. Then the very next year, first grade, she comes home just totally freaked out. One of her classmates has told her, that, and this is a quote from, from the mouths of babes. She said, I have an older boy cousin that when he comes over to my house, we play this game where we hide in the closet and he makes me suck his weenie. Mm -hmm. And so for Aaron to tell me that, I mean, you can imagine all kinds of red flags came up. I said, Aaron, we really need to talk to Molly's mom. And, and we did. We had that conversation with her. Actually, I asked Molly's permission first. I said, your mom really needs to know what's happening with your cousin. And she said, oh, Mrs. Etheridge, I could never tell my mom of that. And then she paused for a second and looked up at me and she said, but you could. Exactly. In other words, she needed help. She right. wanted help help but she didn't know how to ask for it so equipping our children with a proper vocabulary and a proper understanding of the basic mechanics and boundaries and good touch and bad touch and all of that I just don't think that you can go wrong no, by can't. giving our kids what they need to have these kind of conversations that they need to have with adults yeah and that's that's the the analogy I think of when it comes to this topic especially with children and this fits because you've heard it I'm sure in other contexts is that children's brains are sponges so they will suck up everything that they hear, you know, knowledge, they hear it, it just, it just, they absorb it. But when it comes to this topic, there's so much misinformation out there. That's what they absorb. And so my goal with my children and then with what I do with Simple Marriage and even with Sexy Marriage Radio that you and I both do, Shannon, is this idea of we want the sponge to be so full with accurate information that when misinformation and those kinds of circumstances occur, it doesn't go as deep into their, oh, well, that's just truth. And so you're not having to undo things as much as, wait, that doesn't line up with what I was told by my parents. Right. And then you have more conversations because then it starts to become more age appropriate because that's the beautiful thing of the concreteness of a child's brain. If, if, if you're talking about a kid under the age of eight-ish, that's just a ballpark. Sometimes girls is a little earlier, but seven, eight, nine is is when and younger is concrete world. So it's black and white. It's yes and no. It's all that the abstract stuff don't go to a depth that that we do as adults. So when you're talking about just proper naming of stuff, I love that. I've just used the appropriate terms for anatomy. Right. It's hard for them to feel comfortable having a conversation with an older adult if all the words that they have in their vocabulary are pee pee and right. wee wee and right. wing wang. And you know, that's just, that may be fine when they're two, but by the time they start school, they do. They need to have that filter for truth. Right. Um, it's very interesting. There have been studies done where parents are asked, Do you agree that children should learn about sex from their parents? First, 96% of parents agree that, yes, it should be the parents okay. instilling sexual values and sex education in their children. But of those 96% who agree, only 24% of parents actually, actually talk to it. their children yeah. at all. And the chances that they're actually the first ones to talk to their children, it, it's actually rare, especially when parents say, oh, well, you know, there's no need in talking to them when they're in elementary school or junior high. I'm going to wait until they're old enough to, to struggle. Yeah, with too them. late. Exactly. It's like, you know, if you're going to wait until they're 15, 16 years old, uh, you may as well be asking them questions because they've probably done more research on the Internet and, and learned more things than maybe even, you know, 25 percent right. um, of teenagers will have sex before they turn 15. 
Mm. It goes up to 50% by the time they're 17. Right. And the chances are 90% by the time they're 19. Right. So why in the world would you wait until they're in high school or college to even bring the subject up? Right. And it's also you don't wait until it's time for the talk. You know, if, if you think, because it's not just a talk, it's a conversation. And it, it for me, it's lifelong. Yes. It's, it's not a one-time plumbing right, lesson. Right. It is it, definitely character development yes. at every stage yes. in their development. Yeah, and and they're going to have more questions sure. by the time they hit sixth grade and 10th grade and all that. But if you haven't even started with the basics of here's how babies are made, this is called a penis, this is called a vagina, this is how they fit together, the chances of them asking you, is oral sex outside of marriage okay when they're 16, they're not going to come to you with that question. Right. Right, because you've they're already asked their peers. Right. You've already demonstrated that them. it's off limits. You can't, we won't talk about that subject. Exactly. And children do have a, a sense of respect of this is my parents home and my parents decide what's appropriate for us to discuss. Mm -hmm. And if my parents have never brought it up, I'm going to take that as a no. Yeah. I'm going to take that as a these are not experts that I can come to right. and, and talk with. Right. And it's not just a matter of teaching them to say no before marriage. It's also a matter of teaching them to anticipate and enjoy what they'll be experiencing in marriage. Right. Because I think a lot of things, a lot of the things that hold women back in the marriage bed is that it is really hard to hear good girls don't, good girls don't from their parents their whole lives and things like, oh, well, why would he buy the cow if he gets the milk for free? Don't, right. don't do that. You know, it's really hard to go from good girls don't to good girls do. And right. they do it often and they do it well. It, it, that is, that is a message that that parents have to instill in their daughters for them to become the sexually confident wives that they deserve to be. And uh, this is a, a quote that I put in the Sexually Confident Wife book from Freya Stark, a travel writer. She says, perhaps the best function of parenthood is to teach the young creature to love with safety so that it may be able to venture unafraid when later emotion comes. The thwarting of the instinct of love is the root of all sorrow and not sex only, but, but divinity itself is insulted when it is repressed. Mm -hmm. In other words, we don't want kids who are just repressing right. their sexuality or denying it or embarrassed or ashamed about it. We want sexually healthy kids who don't feel the need. Maybe they feel the desire, of course, but maybe they don't feel the need to be sexually active until the right season. And that's marriage. Right. And that's, that's where, <laughs> I don't know. It's funny because we were talking about this on the this kind of concept in the previous show. But the extremes, you know, you have the the don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. But then you also have the other extreme of kids that they need appropriate um, the boundaries you're talking about. They need the good messages, the supportive, healthier. Hey, this is something that's a vibrant part of our life. This is a natural thing. Because I think of it as you as you progress forward from a kid that has not heard anything about sex and also don't get much affection or attention or love from home, mm. they reach out in bad ways when they're older, especially females. Yes. You know, they will, they will do things that they don't really want to do, but that's the only way they know to get the love from a guy or and to get the attention from a guy. And that's harmful. I mean, that's, that's route that's that's ripe with all kinds of destructive things. Oh yeah, and you just described my childhood to a T. And I think that what dads especially need to be aware of is that 
it's when she begins developing those breasts and those hips that you may be thinking, okay, it's time for me to go hands off. Can't, right. you know, can't be misconstrued. Right. I don't want anyone to, you know, to have any suspicions of inappropriate behavior here. No, when she, when her body begins to change and she goes through puberty, that's when she needs healthy affection yes. from dad the most. Yes. She needs to know that he still finds her beautiful. He still loves her. She is always welcome in his lap. That, 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 that that tenderness and affection is still there. That, right. that just because her body changes doesn't mean that her relationship with her key caretakers has to change. Right. All right. So let's back up just a little bit and let's go to, let's speak specifically to the listener that's saying, okay, you've convinced me. <laughs> this is something I've got to do. This is something we haven't done. So 2014, this is the year I'm doing it. You know, I'm having the conversation with my, with my kids. So mm-hmm. let's get step by step. Let's put some tools in their Let, tool belt. Yeah, let's 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 walk them through. Here's here's a good way to do this. Here's a good way to approach this subject. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, whatever questions they ask of you, do not make up ridiculous <laughs> answers. Exactly. Where but where do babies come from? It has nothing to do with storks or swallowing watermelon seeds. Um, why does daddy have a penis and I don't, you know, what, you know, just these natural, innocent questions that, that they, they actually start about the time that they begin potty training. So two years old, they're going to start asking questions, giving them honest, age appropriate, direct answers to their questions is the, the foundational step to opening those lines of communication and letting them know that it's okay for you to ask me these questions. Right. I am the expert that you come to right. when you have questions. And if I don't know the answer, I will find it and we'll find it together. And, yes. And we'll, we'll, we'll go down this path together. Cause to me, it, it's what you just alluded to Shannon, that sex education and more a better way to think of it is our, you know, sexuality talk begins at birth. You know, it begins with your child from the very beginning of their life. And it's a conversation where it's, it is, it's the appropriate naming of anatomy. It's the, having the conversations about it. I mean, for me, what we have used in my house is a book called, where did I come from? Which is a fabulous book for children under the age of six to eight. It's a Mm -hmm. great book. And both of my kids have read it several times. And one of the very first times I read it with my daughter, I think she was about two, that we'd re- we, we will look through it, we'll look at pictures in it, you know, we'll have conversations about it, and then we'll have times where we read it, you know, so it's a multiple time process. It's not just a, okay, read the book, put that back on the shelf. It's every so often we go through the book again, because it's, they're at a new level, and they're, they're kind of at a new understanding, and I want to make sure they're constantly getting good information as those new levels come about. But when my daughter was two, I'm in there in her room reading it with her. And I think that's an important side note, Shannon, is that this comes from both mom and from dad. It's not just, okay, you take care of the girl, I'll take care of the boy. You know, it's, you you do both. Because I think that's that's, a great point. Because one child is going to feel more comfortable talking to the same sex parent, whereas a different child may be more comfortable talking to the opposite sex parent. You just don't know. Well, and I want my daughter to know, hey, I'll go wherever you want to. You know, just because I'm a guy and don't have your parts, <laughs> I know about them though. So come on, let's talk about it. <laughs> you know, and in my case, I know a little bit, a whole lot more than, <laughs> than a lot of people. But, but it is one of those. But I, we're reading it. And so my daughter's two, and my wife is in the bedroom reading a book, uh, just taking some time. 
um, and she, my daughter comes walking in and she has on a diaper at that time and she's pulling her diaper down. Mommy, mommy, I have a vagina. And she's pulling it down to show her. <laughs> and I'm just like, I love it that it's just this, this is just real. This is just, Hey, this is just life. Well, and, and I, I know that parents don't want to think of this, but, you know, flash forward the tape of that girl's life 25, 30 years. What is her attitude going to be with her husband when her parents just smiled and nodded and said, yeah, honey, that's your vagina. Yep. You're right. As opposed to, oh, that, stop. <laughs> that, that's not appropriate. Right. I mean, it, it, you do. You, you instill those values very, very early, and it will translate into her adult years with how she feels about her body with her husband. Right. Um, yeah, beyond the just the basic mechanics, um, you know, when they're much younger, Fred Stoker and Stephen Arterburn wrote a book called Preparing Your Son for Every Man's Battle. Um, Honest Conversations About Sexual Integrity is the subtitle, and it's written for dads to read with their 8 to 12-year-old sons. Okay. And so I had the privilege of creating the female corollary to that book um, called Preparing Your Daughter for yeah. Every Woman's Battle, Creative Conversations About emotional and Sexual and Emotional Integrity. And the way that Fred and I have designed these books is that the first half is written just to the parent to really help them understand the day and age that their children are, are growing up in and um, you know, giving them the tools to develop the confidence to have these conversations themselves. And then the last half of the book, is uh, chapters that you read directly with your child and questions for discussion at That's the end. Great. And there's there's full of all kinds of you know, word pictures and games and activities. And and I will never forget the season where Greg was reading this with Matthew. He was probably around 10. And they, they have this you know tickle war every night. And then they snuggle in with the book. And I just saw them bond right. in a really cool way. And to this day, they are still really, really close. So I think that it's a great tool, not just to teach about sexuality, yes. but really to form a lasting bond with that child uh, to where the, these conversations can continue to take place over the years. Yeah, because it is. It's multiple dialogues. It's multiple conversations. It's, you know, we had just loaned out um, Where Did I Come From to some friends that they wanted to, they wanted to read it with their daughter. And like, perfect, take it. You know, although my, my oldest, who's eight, it's her book. So she's all, wait, where are you going with my book? You know, I was, I was teaching a class on how to, t on this subject, how to talk to your kids about sex. And I took that book as I was walking out the door. She's like, wait, dad, where are you going with my book? You know, <laughs> like, I love that you own this, that you, <laughs> that you think that it's just yours. But so I, I made a comment to my wife. I said, Hey, I want that book back because I haven't talked through it with my son in again in a while. So let's, uh, let's do it. I want it back so we can, and it's just kind of a framework for us and it works well for me and my wife so it, your books would be great as well i mean there's all kinds of resources out there i think is what i'd want sure. to get across to people that use something that's coming from a reputable source that's straightforward that doesn't sugarcoat things the thing i love about where did i come from especially with younger children is it has anatomically correct drawings you know they're yes. all they're cartoonish but it's real life. You know, it's not, it's not stick figures right. it's, and it's not inappropriate pictures. It's just life. It's a fat man standing in a bathtub, you know, and when he's talking about his anatomy and it's like, that's perfect because that lets people realize that's me. You know, that's, that's us. That's who we are as humans. And so the, if I think of the framework that for me, the conversation shifts like what I alluded to earlier, is once abstract thinking fits, starts to enter the picture with your kid, the conversation starts to shift to where 
it's it's less anatomy and it's more sexuality and integrity and interactions and relationships and dynamics and all of that to where yeah. because that's where things start to make deeper sense to them now and they start to understand things more and they it, they start putting things together more as far as oh so that's what because I noticed with my daughter who anytime we would talk about this subject before this this year it was just matter of fact her expression didn't really change this year though now that she's a third grader when we're talking about this subject there's a little bit of a expression change you know it's it's not it's kind of a it borders on an embarrassment but she's still willing to talk about it good you know she's still she's still willing to stay with it but i'm seeing it at a at a different depth in her that and aren't you glad you didn't wait until yes. this season to start the conversation <laughs> yes and yeah. so there's also a companion book to the where did i come from that's what's happening to me that fits perfectly with the older kid you know the kid that's reaching puberty and is 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 under starting to go through the different changes of their body and the different changes of their mind and and then your books come into play here and i mean there's so much stuff out there that, yeah, I was going to say for, for parents who are listening and going, oh, my goodness, I yeah, I probably should have started this conversation 10 years ago, but I didn't. And now my kids are teenagers and I've never had these conversations. And where do I even start? Right. Every young man's battle and every young woman's battle yep. are designed for ages 13 through approximately 19 or 20 junior high, senior high and college age is who we designed those books for about guarding your mind, heart and body in the sex saturated world. And, um, Corey, I was speaking at a Christian high school in North Carolina a few weeks ago, and we have this session. Uh, it's just an, an anonymous written question and answer session okay. where the entire student body could submit an anonymous question on an index card, and I would sort through them the day before, and then I would do an hour and a half presentation of just answering your questions one after another. Now, almost 20 years ago when I first started doing this, I mean, the questions, you know, were were pretty basic. We're pretty simple. You know, how often does a married couple have sex right. and, you know, that sort of thing. But <laughs> I was shocked at how graphic these questions were coming from these freshmen, right. from these sophomores, from these juniors and seniors. They wanted to know about G-spots. They wanted to know about uh, BDSM, mm -hmm. about um, whips and chains and, and is it okay if I want to handcuff my girlfriend and is it okay if I come on her face? I mean, it was just like really disgusting stuff that told me that they have been looking to porn. Yep. And, and that wasn't nearly as graphic as some of them were. I'll, I'll spare you the, the most graphic <laughs> ones. But, but what that told me is that these kids have already been curious enough that they have been looking to the internet for yeah. their information. Yeah. It is so important for parents to communicate to their teenagers that the internet is not the appropriate place right. to get healthy information on healthy sexuality. The internet is kind of the breeding ground for unhealthy sexuality. That, that That's just the anything goes approach. Right. Uh, there were so many questions too about just gay and lesbian experimentation. And, and there's so much of that on the internet as well. And so, yeah getting a book into your teenager's hands that will give them some guidance and appropriate boundaries um, and encouragement in their own sexuality and their own sexual integrity and the choices that they make is absolutely vital. And some tips for how to have, how to start this conversation is start the conversation. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's just, and one of the best ways I've heard was I was teaching this and um, back when I was finishing up my doctorate, I was, I got a chance to do some adjunct graduate assistant teaching. And so I was teaching a undergrad course and I brought this subject up on one of the, on just talking about sexuality and our sex life and, 
and how do you live that well and also pass it on to your children? And in the class was a woman who was convicted that she's like, man, I've got a teenage daughter and I have not had this conversation and I'm petrified to do it. And so we had a long dialogue during the class about what could you do? And so during that week, she did it. She, she brought it up and she just said, you know, I think the way she started was just, you know, we live in a sex saturated culture and I have not done a good job of, of asking you about that and, and, and how you're navigating it. And so I want to have some conversations about it. But what helped her do it was she did it while they were on a road trip and her daughter could not leave then. You know, so there she, you go. she was kind of stuck. <laughs> Captive and, audience. Right. But it was one of those where she didn't just keep pounding it. And, you know, it, it was just like she brought it up. They had, a, they had a brief conversation. And then they went on about talking about other things. And then a little bit later that day, her, brought, her daughter brought up a question. You know, because it was just kind of that taboo of, oh, all right, I've raised, I've taken away the tabooness of this between us in this relationship. Now, all of a sudden, they will start coming to you some. And that's the goal. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know that a lot of the fear in parents' minds is that if I bring up this conversation with my child, They'll they're going to ask, right. well, did you, you save sex until uh, marriage? And, or did you do these things? And, of course, we don't want to answer those questions. You know, It's like, <laughs> okay, just do as I say, not as I do. Right. Uh, but the reality is, is it's perfectly okay to communicate to your child that sex is a private, personal matter. And you can ask me any question that you want to ask me about sexuality, but asking someone about their personal sex life is never appropriate. And I'm not going to ask you personal direct questions about your own sex life when you're an adult because it, that would also be inappropriate. Right. But you can ask me any question in general. And it, it, it's really just not about you. It's not about what you did. And if you do want to share some of the mistakes that you made, some of your lapses in judgment or whatever, I think that that can actually be beneficial to communicating to your teenager right. that, hey, I, I'm only human and you're probably only human too. And when you do make a mistake, know that you can come to me. Yeah. But I think another fear is that parents are so afraid that if they give their children this type of information, it's going to rob them of their innocence. But I urge <laughs> everyone to consider that there is a big difference between yes. innocence and ignorance. Yes. And if you want to guarantee that a child will lose their innocence before they get to adulthood, then keep them ignorant. Yes. That, that is the surefire way to, to lead them down that path. The more tools you can put in their tool belt, the more vocabulary words you can give them, the more open lines of communication you have with them, the more you are protecting their innocence for them. Yeah, and I think of it too. The other side of it is, well, if I talk about this with my kids, they're going to want to do it. Well, <laughs> that's already in their mind if they're older in teenage world anyway. That it's it's there. That's the world they live in. Well, and, and just ask a teenager. So if your parents sat you down and wanted to talk to you about sex, are you going to run off to your room burning with lust? They're going to be like, <laughs> oh, that's disgusting, lady. No, Good my point. parents don't turn me on. Good point. <laughs> but yeah, so that's where you get a chance to instill your values and instill what you want for your family and for your children. And that only comes from you. I mean, it, it doesn't come by them just living in close proximity to you. They, yeah. They need, they need to hear it from your word, from your mouth. So. Yep. You hold the power, and this is the year. Let this yes, be right. the year that you focus on opening lines of communication wide open between your preschoolers, between you and your elementary age children, your high schoolers. No matter what age they are, you can start these conversations. Yes. And if we miss something, let us know. Feedback at SexyMarriageRadio.com. We're happy, happy to carry on this conversation more, especially if it helps you carry on this conversation in your home. 
Well, thanks for listening. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, hope it's great. See you next time.